Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You see, God has put within every person, I believe, those questions. You may not be saying that outwardly. A person next to you at work or at school or at home in the neighborhood might walk up to you this afternoon and say, you know what, they'll score the Florida game yesterday and look at all those fumbles and this and that and the other and all the kind of they won or whatever. They might say that, but they're probably not going to come to you and say, what's going to happen to me after I die? But when a death happens in a family and they're looking at the casket, here's what they're saying. What happened? Where? What's going to happen to me? On the rare occasion that a portion of scripture is cited in mainstream media, it's usually to prop up an idea or philosophy touted by man. In these instances, it's always to bolster the person and not the word. When you take a snippet of scripture out of context and apply it to your own ideas, you change the word. That's a dangerous practice. When the word is diluted or changed, it's no longer life to us, but death. The more time you spend in Scripture, the more you will understand who God is and what He's speaking to you. You won't have to wonder if what you're hearing out in the world is accurate, because you can measure it against the truth. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 18, with part one of our message entitled, Two Deadly Errors. An engaged couple were driving together just a few weeks from their marriage when they were broadsided by a truck and both killed. They went right to heaven, and hand in hand in the pearly gates, they met St. Peter. He asked them to come on in, and their first question to St. Peter was this, Can we get married in heaven? We were this close. St. Peter responded to him and said, Well, we really don't do that kind of thing in heaven. He said, Why don't you come in and enjoy heaven? It's totally different than earth. As you do that, if you still feel like you want to get married, come back to me a month and we'll talk about it. Well, they came back in a month. Hand in hand, they were insistent. They said, we like it here, but we were this close. We want to get married. Peter reminded them again that just not something you do in heaven. He said, if you come back in 10 years, I'll think about it. So in 10 years goes by and they've enjoyed the bliss of heaven. They come together hand in hand right before St. Peter and say, we've been 10 years. We like heaven, but we want to be married. So Peter found someone and married them. It wasn't but two months later, he sees them again. They're not holding hands this time. (laughs) They're really upset with each other, and they come right before St. Peter, and they say this, We want a divorce, and we want it now. Peter replied, Look, it took me ten years to find a minister in heaven to marry you, and now you want me to find a lawyer? (laughs) Hey. Jesus is going to talk about marriage in heaven, no doubt. Look at verse 18 of chapter 12. 
Jesus is confronted with another group of Jewish religious leaders called the Sadducees. Let's read it. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Now, who are the Sadducees? Well, they were another group like the Pharisees, but they differed. They were really the liberal believers, the liberal religious believers in those days. They were known for what they didn't believe rather than what they believed. Here's what they didn't believe. They only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. Books of Moses. They didn't believe the rest of the Old Testament. There wasn't a New Testament at this time. They didn't believe in that. Secondly, they didn't believe in the supernatural. Angels, the spirit world, they didn't believe in that at all. Here they are, religious leaders. Interesting, isn't it? Third, they didn't believe in life after death at all. Or the resurrection. And certainly if they didn't believe in that, then they didn't believe in heaven and hell. So it's interesting to have religious leaders who don't believe in anything spiritual. They don't have any clue about spiritual things. Well, look what the story they came up with Jesus. Look at verse 19. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children... The man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no children. And it was the same with the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Verse 21, in fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died. Here was her question to Jesus. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be? since the seven were married to her. This would make a great episode on murder, she wrote, wouldn't it? <laughs> seven, seven husbands. Would you want to eat her cooking? I wouldn't be comfortable sleeping with her at night. Seven in a row died. Well, what this is, is this particular truth it was really not a truth. It was really a story that was kind of made up for them. They have a point. I'll give you the point in a moment. This hypothetical story came from the book of Moses. It's called the Leverite marriage. It wasn't applied in the time of Jesus. They weren't doing this. But back in those days, here's what happened. If a husband died without leaving a male child to carry on his name... It was the responsibility of the surviving brothers, one of them, to marry the widow. And then that son that would be born to that union would get the name of the father that would keep the name intact and the inheritance, which in those days revolved around land in the, in the nation of Israel. And you could see what would happen. Well, they came to Jesus with this ridiculous hypothetical story for one reason. They said, okay, if you really believe in the resurrection, life after death, marriage in heaven, how are you going to work this one out? I mean, whose wife would she be? Which one is she going to be with? One of the seven? All of the seven? Three of the seven? No doubt they had given this question because the Pharisees and the Sadducees used to argue as Jewish religious leaders the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. No doubt they had given this question to the Pharisees, and they didn't know how to answer it. They said, well, give it to Jesus. Let's see how he answers it. Well, look what he says in verse 24. And Jesus replied, Are you not in error, 
In your Bible, you might want to write the Greek word of that error there means deceived. Are you not in deception? Because you do not know two things, the scriptures or the power of God. Jesus was saying to these educated upper class Jewish priests, you're deceived. Here's the first deadly error. You don't know the true meaning of the Bible or of scripture. In other words, you're ignorant about the things of God, the Bible. The second deadly error, Jesus said to them, because of their comment to him, this story, you don't know the power of God to overcome death and give new life. In other words, you underestimate the power of God. If Jesus would stand before you this morning, knowing your life, knowing what you know about the Word of God, knowing how you live, what would he say to you about these two areas of your life? When you have your Bible, would Jesus say to you, you're really ignorant of God's Word? In other words, you don't really have a clue about God's Word. Now, if you're a brand new Christian or if you're just seeking and now just starting to come to church, that's perfectly fine. But see, some of you who have been Christians 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 years... God would say to you, you might know the verses, you might know the passage, but it doesn't match what you're living. You're really ignorant of God's word. You could have been in church all your life and you don't know. And someone stopped me this week who came last week from work, first time to the church. And she said, I kept looking for you and you didn't come. And this other guy came, this Pastor Bill. And he turned to a passage, i never been in the Old Testament. I didn't even know what I was doing. But all these people knew where they were going. It was amazing to me, and I felt bad. Don't feel bad. I'm glad she was here. You see, you have to learn somehow. And that's the way we learn. But if you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian a long time, and you don't know where the Old Testament is, you're in trouble. Now, we laugh about it, but many of us are ignorant of the Scriptures. Secondly, would Jesus say to you, as he looks at your life, what about the power of God in your life? What does that mean to you? Is the power of God a force? Is it something that people do this or that or this or that or this or that, whatever you want to put in your mind? What is the power of God? Do you know what the power of God? See, Jesus is talking about the power of the resurrection. That Jesus could take a dead person and raise them. The Sadducee says, not a chance, not a chance. But that's what's going to happen to all of us, really, the resurrection. What have you done with the power of God? Are you limiting God? Are you underestimating the power of God? Do you equate the power of God with the ability of man this morning? If you do, then your life lives way under. You're making, as Jesus said here, really a, a deadly error in your theology. You know, there's nothing more important in your life than knowing the answers to these three questions. Write them down, because I think you'll have people ask them. The first one is this. Who am I? Second, why am I here? Third, what happens when I die? You see, God has put within every person, I believe, those questions. You may not be saying that outwardly. A person next to you at work or at school or at home in the neighborhood might walk up to you this afternoon and say, you know what, they'll score the Florida game yesterday and look at all those fumbles and this and that and the other and all the kind of they won or whatever. They might say that, but they're probably not going to come to you and say, what's going to happen to me after I die? 
But when a death happens in a family and they're looking at the casket, here's what they're saying. What happened? Where? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? Where am I going? Why am I here? Who in the world am I? That's the question. Now, many highly educated people in many things are uneducated in the things of God. Did you understand that? Because they're educated with master's degree, doctor's degree, written philosophy, all kind of them, they've done their, their doctoral statements and they, they've done it all. They're published well, but they know very little about the things of God, about life, about death, about eternity. And yet these are the people that often teach the general public about life and about death and about life after death. They're totally ignorant about the things of the afterlife. The world is confused in general. They're deceived like the Sadducees were. They don't have a clue. You know it. Somebody, you talk about the afterlife and you get all kinds of beliefs. Here's some of them. Everyone will go to heaven. Ever hear that? There's some other people will say to you, though, well, there's no afterlife at all. When you die, you die and that's it. It's over with. Others will say to you that death leads to reincarnation. And you just keep coming back and back and back until you get it right. How I many you know we'd have to come back an awful lot of times to get it right? We laugh, but that's the major force in our world today. New age. Buddhists, the whole ramification. Others believe that only the good will go to heaven. You've got to be really good. And only the real evil, the murderers, go to hell. And everybody else is kind of just whatever. Nothing happens to them. And of course, then we have another group of people which I believe is probably the majority, they never even think about the afterlife. They're just too busy with this life. It just never enters their mind. Maybe that's even you. Well, Jesus says to the Sadducees, how did you come up with this theology? Why don't you believe in the resurrection? Why don't you believe in the power of God? How come you're ignorant of your own scriptures? So what's he do? Well, let's look at verse 25. He says to them two things. He really corrects their erroneous thinking by doing something very important. He's going to talk about Scripture. He knows they're ignorant of the power of God. They can't believe that somebody could be dead and God is powerful enough to bring them to life. So look at verse 25. Notice how he starts. If the dead rise... Is that how he starts? No. See, he knew they didn't believe it. So how does he start? When? In other words, it's a guarantee what? It's a guarantee it's going to happen. And he says this, When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So the first thing you see there is God's power is unlimited. But man's power is limited, and man's knowledge is limited. Let me talk to you a moment. Just write this verse down. We don't have time to go there this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The Bible speaks about a man that's natural. That does not mean this morning somebody that is without preservatives or whatever in their life. I mean, you, you know, bean sprouts or whatever, and you're a natural man. What it means is this. You're unregenerated. You don't know Jesus Christ. See, the minute you accept Jesus Christ... The Holy Spirit comes to live within you, and you have the Spirit of God. Here's what this verse says. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, 
and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man, the person that doesn't know God, doesn't know Scripture, they can't even envision an afterlife. So we have Hollywood telling us what it's going to be like. Now, why do they do this? It's because the natural man can't think beyond this worth. They don't have the Spirit of God even to give them a clue. So the Sadducees, listen to this, the Sadducees at best thought if there could even be a resurrection, it was just a continuation of the life as it is right now, i.e., seven husbands and one wife. You just continued it somewhere else. Isn't it interesting that the movie does the exact same thing? It's just a con- man, they never read this passage. I need to send this to the, the guy that made the movie, don't I? I mean, they're in error and deceived exactly the same way. So what Jesus is trying to say to the Sadducees is this. You can't guess in your own mind what heaven's going to be like. Why have you tried to do that? You can't either. So where do we go when we want to find what heaven's like? You go to the Word of God. Secondly, natural man has limited power. Here's one of the greatest mistakes that you and I can make, even as a Christian this morning, to equate the power of God to the ability of man. See, you're not God. All the New Age says you are God. They're deceived. You are not God. Aren't you glad you're not God? I'm glad you're not God. I'm certainly no, you're glad I'm not God. Only one person's God, and who is that? God. Is His power greater than your ability? I'm glad His power is greater than my ability. And see, many times as a Christian, we struggle in that area. So the first error of the Sadducees was a failure to believe in the power of God. How sad to be a religious person and not believe anything supernatural. But see, that's not what it's about. It's about supernatural, spiritual things. Look back at verse 25. What does Jesus say about life in heaven? Is it going to be a continuation of this kind of life here? Is it going to be exactly the same or a little different? Well, it's going to be a lot different. First of all, there's what? There's no marriage there. Believers will be like angels in heaven in regards to marriage. Notice it doesn't say that you will be an angel. You don't want to be an angel. You will be like an angel. The Bible teaches that when we get to heaven, our earthly bodies will be a lot different. Aren't you glad for that? I won't have to have my Ricola drop or whatever. My body's going to be different. Is your body going to be different? How many like that? Yeah, the rest of you are full of pride. So it's going to be different. It's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot better. All these people with the lose all the weight kind of gimmicks, I don't know what they're going to do in heaven, but they ain't going to make it there. In heaven, there's nothing to limit our bodies. No time, no sickness, no death. We don't have to stop by NASA to pick up an outfit when we go to heaven. Our bodies will be perfectly made for heaven. Since there's no death in heaven, what Jesus is saying with this verse then if there's no death, then there's no need for people to get married to produce children because we'll live forever. So there's no need for the marriage bond as we know it now. That does not mean necessarily that we'll be sexless. Because you can go back to the Old Testament and there's some debate about that. We'll worry about that when we get there. All I can tell you is when I get to heaven, every relationship I have will be perfect. Just like they are now, right? (laughs) Not a chance. All perfect. 
Now, what will heaven be like? Jesus says you can't know it. The unbeliever can't know it. Notice Jesus doesn't start in verse 25b and go on and describe what heaven's going to be. Why? Because my mind has no clue either. I can't even envision what it's going to be like. But I'll tell you this. If God's there, it's going to be millions of times better than where we are right here. It's a great place. I want to go and I'm sure you do too. God's Word has all the correct answers about life and death. Now, if you're Jesus, and the Sadducees only accept the first five books of the Bible, which is an error, but they only accept the first five books of the Bible, and you want to show them they're wrong with Scripture, where would you go? To the sixth book? You'd go where? To the first five books. Well, let's look what happens in verse 26. Jesus goes back, you can write it down, we won't go there this morning, to Exodus chapter 3. He quotes Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, which is in the first five books. Here's what he says. Now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So if you remember back, God came to Moses and challenged him at the burning bush to become the leader of the nation of Israel. This was hundreds of years after Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had lived. So God comes to him and says, Moses says, well, who are you? And so God says, well, do you remember guys' names like Moses and like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Well, yeah, they are patriarchs. Man, they are fathers. Notice what he says there. He says, well, I was their God. Or I used to be the God of Abraham. Does he say that? No, he says what? I am saying one thing to us. He was still their God, which meant that they had continued to exist after what? Death. They had died hundreds of years before. So right in their own scripture, Jesus teaches that Moses taught the continuation of life after death. And in fact, they pose this question to Jesus, the Sadducees, because earlier in the book of Mark, we see on three separate occasions, Jesus says to his people he's teaching, I will rise again. So he is pointing them to their major error. And he says to them, in essence, guys, it's impossible for you to have missed this. But you did. Moses teaches it. The very book, only one of the five that you accept. You're wrong in that. But only the five and you missed it. And how does he say it? Look at verse 26. He says something very important there. He says, really the key in that verse, have you not read? In other words, you're teaching scripture. It would be like me this morning teaching you scripture and I haven't read the scripture. Or teaching you something and there's no truth in what I'm teaching. And that's why many kids, when they see this name, they say this about the Sadducees. You see, it's sad, you see, what the Sadducees believe. Why? Because can you think of anything worse than people charged with the awesome responsibility of teaching God's Word who don't know the Word themselves? In today's lesson from the Gospel of Mark, we saw the Sadducees question Jesus about what happens in a situation of remarriage when all the parties are in heaven. 
The Sadducees were known for not believing a lot of things that Scripture shows us as true, and their misunderstanding of the Scriptures was a grave error. They also refused to acknowledge God's power over life and death, and instead relied on their own understanding. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll hear about how man's interpretations of life and death are so full of error, usually because they are lacking in the truth of the Word. Pastor Mark will give us directions to live by that will keep us from deadly errors concerning the Word and how we must apply it to our lives. We'll be encouraged for ourselves and others how sound doctrine changes lives. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.